0: India charts the truth about the markets India charts publishes nifty daily daily video updates the weekly elliot wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes a good day and a good time to be doing a podcast as the irbi has spoken raising the repo rate by 50 basis points this is the 8th of june 2022 and what the market is really up to Uh, is the big question of the day. I think I've been highlighting the key factors that I'm going to be watching. But when it comes to the very, very short term movement of the nifty, the only thing perplexing is the rotation between sectors. So if you really have to take a sector specific or stock specific view, there are actually variations. Some of them are weakening, some of them are still mildly strengthening, some have not bounced back at all. And who knows, maybe they will, maybe they won't. And so that can keep the nifty from really taking its larger trend to the downside in the short term but who knows maybe maybe it will manage that because more stocks may be falling than rising on a particular day and so we've seen four days of declines as we headed into the rbi meet and including today which is after the session it did bounce back intraday looked like it could you know show some momentum and even if it does manage to bounce tomorrow will it only be a retracement because uh, what we are really seeing in terms of strength and weakness is for example Uh, the bank nifty which looked particularly strong or rather not too weak not falling too much has actually seen its uh, rohit momentum indicator as i call it uh, uh, my proprietary indicator now on trade tiger giving a sell signal on the bank nifty now that happened yesterday itself but even then the bank nifty is not really fallen that much and then uh, if you look at individual financial stocks i think if you just exclude the big banks or the big financial institutions that have been around for a long period then you might actually see weakness in some of the others you always want to look for the high beta names if you're really a trader and there you do see uh, some weakness coming in in some of these stocks so maybe a little bit on the banking side but I think you saw real weakness in one of the popular sectors of the last uh, you know decade I can say which is the chemical sector so the chemical stocks which were in a furious run in the last few years uh, are actually showing a large triangular distribution pattern and they're beginning to break down i think we saw a lot of weakness in them today and uh, if that weakness continues in fact the chart setup is for them to continue so that could be one sector that could actually be uh, getting far weaker than the others as far as the downside is concerned irrespective of what the nifty is doing and similarly the sector that has been weakening even when the nifty was bouncing during the last two three weeks is actually the metal space the metal space bounced a bit then uh, you know after the negative news And then again uh, started to sell off in a final wave, which we call wave 5 of the decline. And that didn't really complete. So it has just remained weak and been dwindling on the way down, down, down or flattening out in some of the stocks. Uh, But the momentum indicators, for example, have been in buy mode for the metal stocks for a while, developing positive divergences. And at some point of time, that gives way to that counter trend bounce you know you've sort of completed i think a five wave decline which means the wave b bounce uh, is due to develop in some cases has partly developed because the metal index is already back to the 20 dma and showing lethargy i think if you think of a counter trend bounce as abc i would think probably vfc is still not complete and that could be a sector that could move against the market on the upside as well after all the metals have anyway many times done their own thing on the way up and on the way down Uh, sido don't always correlate with the market move uh, uh, from point to point and so that puts them in a very interesting spot so if i would have to think of one sector that will bounce it would be metals one that will fall it would be chemicals and then there is everything else in between which is moving around for example you didn't see too much weakness in maybe the auto and reality stocks that you would have thought on the back of the potential hike in rates i think most people ended up anticipating the rates are hiking and so whatever positions were built would have, you know, led to some covering, which is why you saw the reality index actually close positive for the day. So interest rate sensitive sectors behaving in a very peculiar way simply because uh, it's buy or sell in expectation of certain news and then cover or buy in the actual announcement of that news. That that would be the sort of reaction of the markets. But now you need to see what really happens after that. The event is over. The news is out of the you know, bag, which would have been an anticipated one because most uh, economists were anticipating 50 basis points so that was sort of set in course what you'll really start seeing now is whether that results in uh, the ma- market actually giving up a uh, momentum and then it's back to global cues, right because well whatever the RBI had to do it's done it's also indicated there could be you know further uh, rate hikes along the way at least people are expecting one more uh one more hike uh, from the next meeting we don't know beyond that because you also don't know beyond two meetings what the fed will do but the fed is tapering which is going to go on for the rest of the year unless they backstep on that and at what time is the fed going to backstep so a lot of people are starting to bet on the back on the fed really backing off from the entire tapering and uh, rate hiking cycle but it's really going to be a tough guess on when the fed is really going to do so because if they're going to be watching out for data what data will they really look for oil prices are still elevated Food prices haven't exactly come off uh, and those could be two important items. So you're really not seeing the inflation data print come off even though economic growth is beginning to taper. So which simply would signal to them that they need to further weaken the demand environment. But is that really the case? So and the last one I think which is going to be key is going to be the housing market because if rents are an issue then you're really going to have to cool off the housing market to bring rents down so those are three different areas of uh, monitoring it can take a quarter or two of monitoring to see those things really cool off to the extent you want them to or do you really want them to stay flat and you know base effects to create a y-on-y effect I, I i don't know what is the real intent will not be clear till the end of this and so everybody's really guessing you know everybody's guessing as to uh, what they'll do on on the basis of which data points and Will this time be any different? Will it be the same as 2000 and 2008? Can we really repeat the same cycle? Because starting, I mean, whatever has happened now, starting with Alan Greenspan has been about cutting rates, getting the cycle back up. And then when it goes to an extreme, raising rates. And then uh, eventually uh, uh, the higher rates uh, uh, break that market. And then again you get a recession and you start cutting rates. And remember that cutting rates doesn't work right away. It took at least up to six rate cuts uh, during the Y2K bear market before you could actually get a revival and something similar actually ended up happening even after 2008 you saw so people think well 2008 market crashed they bailed it out uh, all is good Uh, but when actually the Lehman uh, bailout occurred all the market did is that it retraced 61% of the last decline uh, because of that 750 billion dollar bailout announcement And then boom, from there, the market crashed another 20-30% in the coming month. In fact, the sharpest decline that came in October of 2008 after that bailout. uh, And why did that happen even though the Fed had already stepped in with, with a bailout? And the reason is that it was spreading. There was contagion uh, going to various other sectors, a couple of other banks that were going under. City needed another bailout. And so till all of that was really done and dusted, the markets just reacted as they did. That also happens because people have a lot of long leverage positions that start to unwind as the bad news flows in. And, you know, as prices fall, it forces more selling and then fo- more selling force- forces uh, more declines. And so that goes into a negative feedback loop until everybody's not squared up there. Uh, trading in leverage positions, the market doesn't stop falling. So that's really what actually ends up happening, and which is why uh, once you've reached that point, uh, rate cuts, bailouts don't immediately work. They they may eventually save the day, but it's not like tomorrow morning. And which is why uh, while the sound of a Fed pivot looks good, just because it led to an immediate reversal in markets in 2019, people think the day the Fed's going to say something, it's all over and things start uh, you know lapping to the upside. But if the Fed waits long enough for this to become a recession, I think that will be unlikely the case because we have no idea what the next recession is going to look like given the amount of monetary stimulus and activity that is the money creation that we've actually done during this cycle. Uh, When we actually see that unwind, what level of damage will it create not just in the US but across the world in terms of economic growth and uh, the hardship that a simple rate cut Or the announcement that, okay, we are not going to hike rates anymore. is not going to change things beyond maybe a counter trend bounce of a couple of days or weeks. And so that's going to be the tough one. Uh, I really don't know what it's going to look like when we get there. Because we haven't been in this scenario before. Even though it looks like the same cycle as the last two times. Because just think about it. Each cycle you needed a larger and larger amount of stimulus. In fact, uh, initially it was only rate cuts. And then it went on to QE. Uh, and 2020, you needed both QE and government stimulus. Now, what are you going to need, and how much QE? Because each time the amounts are increasing. It went from you know, a few trillion to many more trillion in the 2020 uh, decline. So, what is what is it going to really be uh, in 2023 when we get there? How much more are you really wanting to, uh, going to want to do, and what is going to be the political support for that? I mean, last time you did four trillion. Next time, are you going to get the political support for ten trillion? And that's going to be the real bigger question. So it all sounds nice and simple gangi they are going to do this next they'll do that then they'll back off markets will resume their upward journey nice congratulations it might not actually end up being that way because of many other factors and forces so i'd rather get there and then figure it out than try to think about what that scenario is going to look like and you know start preparing for the fed pivot right away no unless they pivot tomorrow morning hardly sounds like it they just started raising rates they've just done the first rate hike will they pivot within within a month sounds completely bizarre to me uh, if it happens it'll be a time that we will live through uh, but uh, right now I think seeing that is very difficult tapering just started this month which is from the 1st of June I'm sure it's going to last at least six months before it ends who knows for another year or 12 months and so if you are going to be on this path for a longer period of time till there's political consensus to back off from tapering and go back to QE Uh, I'm not sure whether that's going to happen or not. So let's see it. The main point being that unless you really see it, you can't call it. And even when those pivots occur, what will be the situation at that point of time? Will just the pivot work or you're going to to need a lot more action, which requires a lot more clearance, support from the government side and, you know, it will need to be approved by everybody. Will that be the scenario? What will be the scenario? So I think let's see the scenario and then decide what it will be like. Rather than try to you know, decide what it's going to be like without even knowing what it's going to be like at that point of time. So uh, that's I think the sense of what's happening there. Uh, The path we are on is clearly leading to a slowdown in the US. And to think that the US slowdown will not have an impact on India because India's macros are good is what I hear from all the analysts are on the opposite side. And these are the same people who say we invest in the markets without looking at macro. And now that the markets are down on macro, they say India's macros are good. Well, I wonder uh, if somebody is not really tracking macro, how does he even know that macros are good or bad? Because he's more focused on sectors and industries, and and it's gen- and it's actually real. What I'm saying is not just a joke. Most of the uh, people who are in the in the fund management industry actually like not to pay attention to things like currencies, interest rates, and so on. Very few do. I think a narrow list, maybe barely. I don't know if it's even 10% of them who give serious importance to that. Because most of the funds are long only. They have to be mostly invested. In the worst case scenario, they'll create 10-20% cash. And that's a worst case scenario. And uh, that that view also is tougher to take. So, uh, you know, you'll have some very few very good hybrid funds out there. Like I had a cousin of mine asking me, do I invest in a hybrid fund? Uh, Probably thought of a way out uh, from risk. Uh, but the whole onus then lies on that uh, fund manager to be, have the capability of really judging when to be in equity mm-hmm. and when to de- be in debt. And they might not even make, make that transition fast enough when they really have to uh, or deep enough, uh, you know, when it should be. So, uh, and the other problem is, and the problem is both ways, right? In a in a difficult time, you may go uh, slowly, slowly, and then eventually excessively into debt. And when the time is right to pivot back into equity, will you do it fast enough, or uh, still end up holding on to debt. So, your really long-term returns would uh, come off if you don't uh, do that rightly. And I would say that for someone who is young, why even go for a hybrid front? I mean, your whole object should be to be in equity. So, then why not just time that well by just judging the sentiment around you? Are the people that you're speaking to and meeting at parties, talking about stocks, all really jubilant or completely frustrated with the markets? And by completely, I mean really completely. It shouldn't be like a mild frustration. It should be like you know, everybody's a crook, we've lost everything, we don't want to talk about this anymore or, you know, they're all cribbing and jiving about, you know, maybe losses or maybe they don't want to talk about their losses. So, they're so sick of the markets and if that's the sentiment, then, you know, it's time to go all in on equity and if you're someone who's young, you really don't want debt in your portfolio because that's not the way to really grow well. So, that timing is not such a big deal if you just pay attention to emotions and psychology of the people around you or the news uh, that you really read on a day-to-day basis basis so when you get to that point it should be easy to spot and if you're uh, not at that point if you still see jubilation and hope uh, that things are all going to be good you know it's time to simply wait so i think those are simple things to learn it's the oldest tools that you'll find in any book on investing written by anybody who's done it and been there and uh, these really are emotional concepts and have nothing to do with something you can actually measure now there were some things you could measure in the old days when you were not an online world uh, you know, I could actually travel in a train and see everybody re- reading the pink pages or the Bhao copy, as I would call it in 1994, that was published by the exchanges. And you know, everybody's involved in the markets and an excess has been reached. Uh, in Wall Street, they would talk about the shoe shine boy talking, asking you for, or rather giving you stock tips. But you will not get that anymore if you're not in the same environment. Everybody's in offices, a lot of people not traveling by tubes, uh, and unless you're in the Western Railways of Mumbai, you're really not talking to the shoe boys, and so uh, you may or may not get those clues uh, directly if you're not involved in that sense. Uh, but there are other ways that you might you might sense it in terms of number of uh, you know uh, you know IPOs and size of IPOs applications involvement. You really have to judge, and then maybe you judge it on the failure rate of IPOs. That's a that's another thing which we saw recently in the last six months. You know, as long as IPOs are successful, it's all great. But the moment IPO start failing, it goes the other way. And which is why uh, we actually have a BSE IPO index. Even I don't look at it all the time. But looking at an index like that might actually give you a sense on, you know, how the IPO uh, stocks are really doing. Is the IPO index really uh, continuing to move higher or has it really rolled over can give you a sense of when a market has reached an extreme. So with that, we come back to the thoughts on our own market. Uh, as I've mentioned, there's rotation. The Rotation can mean you get minor bounces sometimes you even get an overshoot which you didn't expect but irrespective of that i think uh, most of the bounces will be counter trend in nature so far that is the nature of the pattern that i see on this entire pullback we've seen from the bottom uh, that formed in may it looks like a counter trend bounce and most probably sooner than later you're going to see the roll over to the downside we're seeing it in individual stocks or maybe sectors one by one, but very, very slowly. It's not gathering that momentum across the board. Uh, And even after the announcements, and in fact, I shouldn't even say that because most RBI policy meets have ended up being dull days. If you've been around and seen them, uh, often on the day itself, there are zigzag movements on both sides, but usually no direction. This is what I've seen over and over again. So directionally, an RBI meet never, ever helps. I don't know why, for some reason, it just doesn't. Uh, and the real trend only shows up in the day or days after that. And so you really want to be watching what happens tomorrow and day after in terms of key levels. But the breakdown point for the market would be closer to the 17,250 mark. I think once you go below that, close below that, then you are uh, clearly into a larger declining trend that will, that will you know take us back to uh, the March lows again in fact there was an interesting observation that the only market that's gone below the march lows is probably the us i haven't seen it in the dax or the footsie those markets have not done it india has not done it a lot of asian markets actually showing strength from japan to china of course there are some other markets that may be a little wobbly but uh, those those are the big ones uh, which are actually showing strength and so again uh, just like we see deviations between sectors here, we are seeing deviations within Asian, European markets with the US, and so that's a interesting fact. I think everybody is simply watching the US and wondering whether they've overreacted and the worst is done, and everybody is hoping for that pivot, Fed pivot to come in. But if it does not, and you get another round of selling in US equities, it will probably spread and affect most of these markets that are trying uh, trying to likely outperform. The us in the near term so that's re- the thing to really watch out for i think over the next couple of weeks because we are clearly not out of the woods policy has not changed then all we are doing is a technical bet on whether too many people got negative and are bouncing back or too many people are on the other side but the real thing is the big moves in markets occur when the large investors move traders will buy sell within a trading range but for it to really break to new lows or to rise to new highs you need new investment buying or new investment selling if investors panic and right now investors don't want to buy everybody is so scared that that buying interest is missing the only buying interest you're getting is from diis from committed funds through sips and that part of the crowd is still not in panic Uh, that would only happen if probably the markets break maybe fifteen thousand four hundred or something is when uh, the next uh, crowd which is the uh, investors into uh, various funds would actually panic till that point of time Uh, Everyone who's individually investing or leveraging through bank loans is probably going to just sit tight and think that things get better. Uh, Leverage in general is low as far as what I'm able to speak, listen and hear from people in terms of margin funding type of leverage that used to cause the volatility in the prior or uh, 2000s decade. That's, uh, That's not so significant in this round. So that is why you don't see that kind of volatility. The real thing you've seen so far on the downside has been an unwinding of stocks uh, where valuations were high and probably got overowned, uh, and a lot of people have moved out especially traders and short-term investors and like I said it's going to take a little more pain before uh, the larger crowd gives up and you get what we call a longer term capitulation in markets and so that's that's something to watch out for because the buying interest is missing and for some reason or the other the selling interest especially from FIs, doesn't seem to Go away. So that's all uh, in this update from me today. Thank you. Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.